Welcome, podcast listeners. This is Dr. Raywat Dionandan, and you are listening to the inaugural episode of the IJHS podcast. IJHS is the Interdisciplinary Journal of Health Sciences, which is a peer-reviewed open access journal put together by students at the University of Ottawa. But it is a global journal, and uh, it's bilingual, it's English and French. And uh, this is the first in what we hope to be a long series of audio podcasts exploring many facets of the health sciences world. And with me today is Stephen Kutcher, who is an associate editor and one of the bloggers for our journal. And um, future episodes, it won't be us. It'll be somebody else, hopefully. 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 <laughs> so... Um, yeah. What we're going to talk about today in this inaugural episode is um, uh, things in the current Canadian electoral uh, federal election that are relevant for health sciences. What are those things? We don't know yet. We're going to just discuss them and, and see how things go. But before I get into that, uh, some things you might want to know if you're listening from outside of Canada, and that is Canada has a parliamentary system. Our current Prime Minister is Stephen Harper of the Conservative Party. Our three major parties are the Conservatives, the Liberal Party, and the New Democratic Party, or the NDP. We have smaller parties too, the Green Party, and Communists, and, and so forth. And as well, the election will take place on Monday, October 19th. So if you're listening to this after that date, you will know what the fallout has been. But if you're listening to this before that date, as I hope you are, because it's relevant, um, you should know that this is one of the most closely contested elections in Canadian history, and I believe possibly one of the most important, because it's, a, it's an election for the soul of the nation, or at least for its economic and social policies. So, Stephen, um, you and I probably are on the same page when it comes to uh, the polarity of, 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 of political thinking. I would, I would agree with you on that one, for sure. Yeah, that's unfortunate because we wanted some balance in this particular conversation. Um, so Stephen and I are both, I would say, probably a little left of center. Um, but we're going to try to be fair to the other side as well. And what I wanted to talk about today was what we think are the important issues that Canadians should think about with respect to health sciences. Do you have any thoughts on that matter? Well, I have thoughts in the sense that our current uh, electoral system right now, our current election campaigns completely avoid many health issues. That's in interesting. And that's, I think, the biggest problem to me as a health science student in terms of studying health, and I think it's a pillar for human beings, and we are ignoring it. Okay. Um, okay, let's think about it for a second. What exactly are we ignoring? Are we, annoying, are we avoiding uh, health funding, health research funding? What is it that the federal government could do or talk about that's relevant to health sciences? Well, we could talk about a bunch of things. We could talk about uh, health funding, which currently, in the, I think it was in 2011, the Conservatives uh, chose to uh, change the type of health funding that happened. And uh, it is now tied to uh, economic growth, I believe now. Uh, oh, really? Oh, I see what you mean. So the yeah. transfer payments. Yes, the transfer payments. Right. The federal government has changed from the past, and they it's, it's I think, fixed for so many years, but then it switches to... Uh, growth on terms of the economy right after those 10 years so again for people not from canada uh, our federal system uh, holds that health is a provincial concern but the disbursement of health funding is from the central source the central administration and traditionally we call that transfer payments when the federal government then dis, uh, distributes 
tax monies back to the provinces for health purposes. And Stephen's alluding to a recent decision by our conservative government to tie the amount of transfer payments to the economic performance of those nations. Which nations, which, which provinces do you think are disadvantaged by this new policy? Disadvantaged are the provinces that are obviously having a, a obviously a worse economic downturn. So you can think of Ontario has been having issues in terms of manufacturing the economy. Sure. That's ironic, though, because Ontario traditionally is the heartland of economic power. It was in the past, but it's completely changed when we focus so much on energy now and our uh, economy is so much based on energy. Mm. The, the swing of, for example, recently the, the oil prices. So uh, that's that's interesting. So what we've dis- just discovered there is a link between a focus on the energy sector for the basis of an economy and the potential denigration of population health through funding. That, that should be a debate topic. It could be. I'm not saying that it's completely wrong, but we haven't had any discussion. We haven't talked about it, right. Interesting. So one of the things for me that was so relevant for the health sciences um, that was only cursorily talked about in, in the current campaign is the need for the federal census. Ah, yes. So do you have any thoughts about how or why we need a census for health sciences? Well, um, when you, I think more of a, just even a general scientific idea when you want to base ideas off evidence and you want information to make dis- informed decisions. And the census, whether we talk about the ethical aspects of the census is a little different topic, but it's information to make decisions. And we're losing that information to make informed decisions about any future. Do you think there's a, um, a political, shall we say, motivation or agenda? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say I'm, I, I, I'm feeding you uh, lead, my agenda. You're leading perfectly the way that we want to lead this conversation. But I don't know if there's a political, uh, I want to say yes personally, but mm. I believe there is. Uh, we have no evidence. I don't have any evidence yeah. of that, obviously. But the way that this government has uh, functioned is to try to eliminate as much information as they can just in case it goes against their kind of decisions. Right. And, you know, if you don't have any evidence to disprove ideas, then they can't be wrong sort of thing. It's, it's, it's ironic that we're complaining about the lack of evidence base, but we have well, not evidence base. To... <laughs> <laughs> Irony of thy name is podcast. <laughs> yeah, so again, I echo Stephen's sentiment. I believe that um, the, the decision by this government to do away with the mandatory long-form census, and again, if you're not from Canada, you're probably not aware this government has discontinued our census. And to some of you, that's horrifying and it may, maybe it should be horrifying. So there are many people who believe that the decision to discontinue the census is a desire to remove evidence base from policy. So it allows policy making to be agenda driven and not, you know, numbers driven. There are the other people who would argue that the um, the discontinuation of the census is an ethical stand, and I, I kind of you know I've argued for that in the past that the mandatory census has some ethical problems. It's hard to say. One thing I do know for sure, though, is that it has made health sciences much difficult, much more difficult. We don't know baseline statistics in order to build programs. You know, it's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, I'm trying to think of other aspects uh, that are uh, of this campaign that are relevant to the election. Um, I guess the one that interests me is maybe not. It hasn't been spoken about, but it's probably about a year old now. Is talking about even just Quebec's uh, legislature of the right to die that hasn't been spoken right. about because uh, they they focus so hard out west in BC about fighting uh, that one woman. I forget her name off the top of my head yeah, about too. her about her want to, because she has I think a terminal illness and she was mm-hmm. looking for her choice to uh, uh, you know I guess. So why do you think that should be um, an issue brought up in this election? I think it's an issue because 
uh, it's one of those things where it's one province has done something, which is Quebec. Mm -hmm. And they fought so hard, which is interesting to me, the government, to fight off in one end of the country. Mm -hmm. And then they haven't really seemed to do much against the whole right. Quebec issue. Now, do you not think that would be a provincial matter, or is that... Well, I do think it is also a provincial matter, because you mentioned earlier that the provinces govern uh, health, issues. health issues. And yeah. uh, so absolutely, but it's it's still, I think, a whole nation's issue, because we are still one group of people. We still sure. have similar ideas across the nation, though we can sort of change them based on our geography just a little bit, because we have certain nuances mm -hmm. that are slightly different. But I still think it's a gr great topic to talk about, just because we haven't really discussed it in depth, I think, in our, in our country's yeah. history. Uh, and, you know, you, you make a good point. That, that point really is, is that um, values seem to be the, the, the foundation of the current election. It's not the economy. It's what constitutes being Canadian and what defines the values that we build our society upon. And certainly whether or not we respect the right to die is a values-driven question. Even if it's not relevant to the policymaking at the federal level, it's certainly relevant to um, the leadership shown by a central government in terms of what they believe, what their morality is. Is that what we've seen in the Niqab debate? And again, if you're not from Canada, you should be aware that fascinatingly, horrifyingly, disgustingly, and nonsensically, whether or not a woman can wear a niqab or a head covering while she takes her citizenship oath has become one of the hotly debated topics in this, in this election. That's a values question. And that shouldn't be a policy question. And what Stephen's alluding to is um, the right to die is also a values question. So it's interesting to me that that is a more important values question and yet has not entered the conversation. I would absolutely agree with you. And that amazes me as well that we're talking about uh, a, a values question of the Niqab that has so far, I think they've mentioned two people that right. it could affect. But this right to die issue, Affects we've seen in the Supreme Court with at least one person. I think right. there's even another case that we talked about. And this hasn't been a values question across the country. But. You know, another aspect of, of health um, that is relevant to this conversation is the environment. So you can't have health without having a healthy environment, me in my hippie ways would argue. And there is something to be said for um, a concern for the way that the current government has treated environmental sciences. I don't know if you have an opinion on that topic. Uh, I have many opinions on this topic. <laughs> Um, but I think it stems greatly just from the beginning of their whole economic focus from several years ago, but focusing so much on the energy sector without much, uh, you know, consideration of, you know, environmental protection of these exploitation of our resources, which is not, I think, a bad idea to use our resources for economic gains, but I think we need to do it in a, in a responsible way. And I think we've neglected that as a government, or our government, I should say, has neglected that. Sure. And I mean, it's, it's one thing to have you know, strong opinions on the matter. It's another, and I'm going to say this outright, to actively muzzle scientists that, as this government has been doing. And it looks to me like we've clearly gone on the, the, um, <laughs> the partisan path on this podcast. <laughs> I'll try to make it as fair as possible. And I'll, I'm going to try to make it fair again. And I'll try to make it fair by saying I'm not sure that a new government um, head, led by another party would reverse the damage that's been done. I'm not I, sure. I don't think that any, I don't think any of these parties, particularly, have any magical cure for what is going on. They all play these little pawn games, and what I've seen, but there's no big, uh, big play that's going to change anything magically. So, right. out, outside of this current government, there afterwards, there's not really much to choose from. Yeah, uh, 
I do believe, though, as a scientist, that there's something to be said for, at the very least, letting scientists speak. And this government has um, has been muzzling scientists. And I, so, I, uh, in full disclosure, I used to be the chief science advisor to a particular agency of the federal government. And during my tenure there, I felt a little bit muzzled also. Uh, many of our public opinion research studies were terminated by the government for reasons that are very unspecific. One suspicion is that they were terminated because the data being produced by them was inconvenient. I don't know if that's the facts, but that's certainly uh, one interpretation. And I have colleagues, uh, particularly colleagues in environmental sciences, who have actively been told, do not publish, do not talk about these results. And I have to wonder why. And my suspicion is that it's because the results are showing effects that are contrary to policy or to agenda. And I think that's my big issue as a graduate student, as you know, up-and-coming scientist. You know, maybe I won't work mm. in, the, in the budding science field the same way that you did, but I want uh, informed decisions, and it's, it's frustrating. Are, are you less, less enthusiastic about becoming a scientist now? I am absolutely not enthusiastic at all. Really? Oh, that's unfortunate. I love it because I'm going to go do it anyways probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 that's the only way I think it's the only way my mind processes, I think, well, okay. is that you need information in order to go forward. You need appropriate information that you can look at to make your decisions. And muzzling these scientists, as you say, I think is frustrating because it's... And the reason why I don't like this government is because they're the ones, only ones that have actively done it in my memory. I'm, mm. I'm young, so I can't say that I can account for the, all the past, but I'm actively seeing it and seeing my future mm. kind of potentially being a little more difficult and harder to you know explore with my endless reaches of my career if I right. ever want to. And the other ones, all the other parties, even the, the smaller ones like the Green Party, have said that they will unmuzzle the scientists. And I'm not saying they will be able to. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they will. But they're at least giving me hope. So this is the only current government right now, the one that we have in power, the conservatives, which are frustrating to me. Personally. Right. So one of the um, the, the biggest um, uh, topics in the election, late in the election now, is the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP. I don't know how familiar you are with TPP, and I suspect most listeners aren't that familiar, and that's unfortunate, because it is possibly the biggest trade deal in history, at least in recent history. And there are aspects of it that I think are relevant for scientists in general and health scientists in particular. I'm not sure what those aspects are exactly, but um, uh, so the, the, the trade deal essentially breaks down trade barriers between Pacific countries, uh, Canada, the U.S., China. Well, China's not part of it. China's actually very conspicuously not a part of it. Uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, etc. And um, it provides market for our natural resources, including our energy, um, but also allows foreign exports into our market. These are economic issues. I'm not going to debate those right now. What I find fascinating, though, are the, the online privacy issues. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not know too much about the T, uh, TPP because yeah. I have, the much I've read about it, it's been mostly about how it doesn't have all the information out about it. Mm. So we're still missing a lot of details, it seems, and I don't know how much it's still missing on terms of right. those, that topic as well. I'm not sure if it's all out. I don't know. How much well, WikiLeaks has published the details. Whether or not they're accurate details, I don't know. Um, the details do seem to suggest that um, 
online data is not as secure under the TPP as it was in the past. It prevents what's called localization of data. So when it comes to research, we like to be able to localize data. We like to be able to protect um, the identities of individuals and data sets, for example. And I wonder whether this agreement jeopardizes that ethical requirement. That's a good question. Um, I guess while we're talking about you know, intellectual property. In exactly. Way, right? Exactly what we're talking about. And, I, and it brings up another question about how even we protect our research intellectual property that we fund publicly mm. and when it's partnered with industries. Right. Which is another separate issue, I think, than what we're talking about. Well, it's related. It, it might be in a way. I, I, don't, I don't know this TPP that well, and I haven't looked at Well, it's it. related in the sense that you know TPP talks about copyright limits and extending copyright limits, and so prevents um, products from entering the public domain. An example is always given of Disney, the Disney Corporation. So Mickey Mouse is based on Steamboat Willie which is a public domain character. Mickey Mouse is a copyrighted character. So a billion-dollar empire was built out of a public domain enterprise. Similarly, um, public domain products produced by scientists and scholars enter the public domain and then are copyrighted by corporations and profits are being made from them. Now, we used to have the ability to end copyright. There's a time limit. Under TPP, copyright is going to be extended. That affects drugs more than anything else. Masks, yes. Ah. Drugs, pharmacy, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. The big, there's a lot of money in that. And I, it, there's that big case that came up recently in our uh, in North America with that gentleman who purchased the rights to that. Uh, yeah, uh, Martin Schlecker, what was that his name? I, so. I don't know. He got, douchebag extraordinaire? Yeah, he got destroyed <laughs> yeah. on social media, but he stuck to his guns and mm-hmm. raised the price for it. set up to $700. Oh, that's a fascinating uh, example because people are always talking about, well, you need to recoup the cost of R&D, except he didn't make the drug. He bought the rights to it. So there is no R&D cost to recoup. Um, so as a classic case, again, remember that Stephen and I are, are scientists, public scientists, and we are funded in some respect by taxpayer dollars. And so our products, our scientific products are owned by the taxpayer. Now, the, the, the fruits of our intellectual work, maybe not the direct fruits, but certainly the downstream fruits, are then copyrighted or used to make other people rich. And when that, that ability is abused by douchebag individuals like Mark and Mark, whatever his name is. Very generous uh, yeah, it, way of describing Well, I, I got to call it like I see it. It's a violation of a social contract as I see it. I don't mind corporations. They exist for a purpose. Businesses are great. They employ people. They create wealth. But they exist in harmony with individuals who produce public domain goods. And when that harmony is abused, then we have a problem. So to bring it back to the election, my disappointment is in a government that does not protect that social contract. Doesn't protect the people, it seems. There it is, yeah. That's what we're... Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm heading towards. Yeah, that, again, I'm trying to dance that nonpartisan line. I'm failing. I'm failing. <laughs> I, that's just what it seems like. They, just, they have less regard for the, the people of mm. this country, even though they claim that they are the you know the patriotic Canadian. Sure. Yeah. Again, um, we, we have no facts. This is just our opinion, uh, and perhaps we're wrong. And I want to make it clear uh, this late in the game that our opinions do not represent the opinions of the Interdisciplinary Journal of Health Sciences. <laughs> And while I'm talking about the journal, um, if you're listening to this and not part of the journal uh, family, and you have some health sciences research that you'd like to publish with us, we are more than happy to look at it. Uh, the IJHS, IJHS journal is 
a bilingual French-English peer-reviewed open access academic journal. Our peer reviewers are leading scientists in the field that's relevant to your publication. And uh, the journal is run entirely by students. So it is ethical, it is open access, it is transparent, it is peer-reviewed, and we are trying to make it as high quality as possible. (laughs) (laughs) We need your submissions. What I'm saying is we we want submissions from around the world. So um, visit us at www.ijhs-riss.ca. Um, we're at the, uh, the 20 minute mark here, Stephen. I think that's, um, that's enough for a full podcast. Do you have any final thoughts on the election? Oh, <laughs> without trying to be partisan, <laughs> partisan, I'm going to just say, I, I, I think the big thing for this election is that I think the, I think a positive I'll take is that I feel like the youth have gone out personally, my, is to go vote whether or not mm. they vote. I don't care what party they voted for. I think they yeah. should have more active in the election than they ever have in the past. I, I, think, I think that's one right. positive we could take away from this year. I think you're right. I think there are more positives, actually. I think another positive is people, even the non-youth people, I think have thought deeply about things beyond simply economic issues. Mm-hmm. I like it when a nation thinks about its values. Even if those values are contrary to my own, at least you have that conversation. So Stephen Harper's values are definitely not my values. But if the nation decides that that's the majority, then you know I will live with that. What I would like is for the nation to truly understand that that's the decision that's being made here. Yes. They, I want the nation to make the decision. Not there it is. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point to end on. So if you haven't uh, voted yet, please go out and do so if you live in Canada. If you don't live in Canada and you want to vote, apply for citizenship and uh, wear a niqab if you like. We, we accept that. Um, and please drop by again and uh, listen to our next episode. Thank you very much, Stephen. Come check us out. Thanks again. Bye-bye.